If you are never going to create a newsletter, then don't listen to this episode. But let me remind you that 330 billion emails are sent every day. It is one of the, if not the, top marketing strategy. It outperforms SEO, pay-per-click, content marketing. And today, I've got a group of people who have different email lists for different purposes and different sizes. We even have a because of my newsletter story. And you might want to stick around because there are newsletters that you can operate for free. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting Sense 2005. I'm your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. This is why I help you plan, launch, grow, and if you want to, monetize your podcast. My website, schoolofpodcasting.com. If you throw on a slash listener to that, you can sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription at a discount. And if you missed last week's episode, I had a bunch of veterans that gave some advice on starting a podcast, and I found another clip, and I wanted to play it for you here. And of course, if you're a subscriber to the show, you get every episode. Go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash follow. This is John Lee Dumas explaining if he started a podcast today, what would he do different? And if you're not familiar with John Lee Dumas, he's a guy that has done an interview show daily for probably close to a decade, if not longer. Here's what he said he'd do if he did it today. So one thing that I'm doing today that I would not recommend a lot of podcasters that are starting a new podcast or in the early stages of podcasting. And this might surprise a lot of people because it does when I tell any individuals that I'm coaching on like a one-on-one level, I would not interview other individuals for your podcast. Now, that is surprising in a lot of ways because I will tell you that when I launched my podcast in 2012, interviewing people was fantastic for me because I got to connect with Tim Ferriss and Gary Vaynerchuk and Barbara Corcoran and, you know, just the names and the list, Tony Robbins, I just go on and on and on. And it was fantastic. And to this day, I still do interview podcasts seven days a week because I launched in 2012 and I built up Entrepreneurs on Fire to the powerhouse business that it is right now. And it's a show that has the momentum, the brands, And frankly, I've done 3,700 interviews now. I'm a decent interviewer at this stage. And most people are not good interviewers when they start a podcast, which by the way, I was not a good interviewer when I started my podcast. Like it took time putting in the reps. Going back to what I said, shared earlier about riches are in the niches. I would say, how can I sit down right now and think of a really big idea in this world. And then within that big idea that I'm excited about, what is a niche within that big idea that I'm also excited about, that I also have knowledge about, but that there's a void in the marketplace or there's an underserved market within this niche, within this big idea? And then how can I become the number one solution to that problem?
And again, you can find last week's episode at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 869, which means today's episode you can find at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 870. And we're talking email lists, and I realize you might be going, eh, I'm here to tell you, stick around. And there's a lot more information that I'm not going to talk about, things like open rates and size of lists and things like that. That is out at the website, schoolofpodcasting.com slash 870, along with all the email list tools and everything else that we talked about. And if you want to join my newsletter, that is the key. You have to ask people. You'll get a little behind the scenes. You'll get a couple extra marketing tips. It's all at schoolofpodcasting.com slash newsletter. And this is one of the few things that I say, yeah, it's okay to use a free service because almost every free service will eventually bump you up to a paid service. So let's go on and answer the question, should my podcast have a newsletter? So as we start this discussion of having an email list for your podcast, I'm going to pull back the... uh, the curtain a little bit. I used a tool called Rumble Studio because some of these people were not in my time zone. And this allows you to do an asynchronous, meaning, hey, here's a bunch of questions. Why don't you answer these and I'll put them in my podcast. And for the record, it is convenient, but I think what you end up doing is missing the relationship building aspect of an interview. Now, in my case, I was very lucky. I have a relationship with all of these people. And speaking of these people, let's meet our panelists, shall we? Ariel Nissenblatt, feedback with earbuds, earbuds.audio. James Credland, Pod News at podnews.net. Jessica Kupferman, shepodcasts.com. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from the Audacity to podcast.com and mypodcastreviews.com. My name's David Hooper. I've got a podcast called Build a Big Podcast and an attached newsletter called Big Podcast Insider. The website, bigpodcast.com. And I'll have links to all of those out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 870. But look, I know you're busy. And the bottom line is, what kind of return on investment are you getting from your podcast? Because of my newsletter, everything happened. I wanted to work in the podcast space. And so I thought, you know what? I listened to at least five podcast episodes every week, I thought, you know, I would love to share these podcast recommendations with people. And I would also like to get recommendations from other people. So that's what started my newsletter, Earbuds Podcast Collective. And that newsletter since 2017 has gotten me every single job that I've gotten in the podcast space. It caused me to like have the idea to reach out to co-working spaces around Los Angeles so that they might consider having a podcast studio and they might let me build and run that podcast studio. And that worked. Uh, And then that led me to meet lots of different podcasters in Los Angeles who thought of me for jobs. And then I went to podcast movement because of my newsletter. And then at podcast movement, I met Castbox, and then at Castbox, and then meeting Castbox meant that a few years later I got a job at Castbox, and then sometime later at Podcast Movement I met Squadcast, and then a few years later I got a job at Squadcast. I can really trace everything back to my newsletter, and I'm really really proud of that. And uh, I'm not saying that every newsletter is going to have that benefit, but if you want it to, you can make your newsletter really work for you. Uh, and then just on a more practical side, I also have monetized the newsletter through ads. Um, but let me talk about my radio newsletter just for a second, james.crid.land, which comes out every kind of so often. Uh, what I see from that is whenever I send it out, it reminds people that I exist. 
reminds people that they might want to give me some work or they might want to get me to speak at some conference or other or reminds me reminds them that uh, they might want me to look at some figures of theirs and give them some advice and that sort of thing. So that has been really useful. And what has been very obvious recently is seeing people getting my newsletter and then saying, oh, yes, James Cridlin. Yes, I remember him. Yes, we should um, we should give him a little bit of work. And I heard this again. This is a clip from the No Agenda Show. Again, links at schoolofpodcasting.com slash eight seven zero. The goal of their show is to deconstruct the media, and they are completely listener-funded. This is John C. Dvorak and Adam Curry. I should mention the newsletter. Producer Laura sent this cute note in. She says, I was planning on giving this week, and my debit card was hacked, so I can't send my small donation through PayPal. I'm getting a new card by next Friday, so I should be able to catch up then. If you don't send these emails about donations, I wouldn't think about sending money your way. This is something to note for people out there doing podcasts. Part of our book, another teaser from the Value for Value book coming in 2027. If you don't send these emails about donations, I wouldn't think about sending money your way. I see it as a reminder that I need. So for a show that runs on donations, the return on investment for John and Adam is it reminds people to donate. Let's go back to Jess. I mean, as far as ROI, I think if you do it in a within a process of itself, that it it ends up keeping everyone that wants to be informed informed. You know, social media is the kind of thing where just posting on it doesn't grow anything. But if you are actively trying to grow, it will have curious people learning about you over and over and over again, which is good. It's that automated marketing to reduce stress for me. And it gives me an opportunity to present some of the same content that I've talked about in my podcast but in slightly different ways. And I really focus on being concise with my emails where my podcast might be 10 tips to do this thing. In an email series, you're going to get those 10 tips over 10 weeks. Mm. I do know this is that the newsletter forces me to create content every week. It forces me to put something in your box every week if I do what I'm going to say, which is every Friday morning, New York time. It forces me to do a podcast because there's an attached podcast episode. So it's good for me as far as my return on investment, just to keep showing up in people's boxes. And because I'm showing up in people's boxes with the audio newsletter, I'm also showing up in their podcast feeds and it gives me content for the book. That's the return on investment, not the $4 per subscriber or whatever each subscriber is worth. I I don't care about that. And you're probably wondering, boy, I'm not sure what I would talk about. Well, one way to figure out what to do is to figure out what not to do. It is important to remember that your newsletter is a reflection of you. So whatever you choose to publish, even if it is curated by a different person, even if it is written by a different person, the fact that it can be traced back to you means that it is your responsibility what you put out into the world. One time somebody curated a list that I did not really have time to make any suggestions for. They they curated a list of best interview podcasts and the interviews were all men interviewing men and I did not believe that that was an accurate reflection of the best interview podcasts out there. Um, They're great shows and I'm definitely not downplaying the fact that men interviewing men can be great. Women interviewing women can be great. I didn't think that the, that the interviews really were the best interview shows, but because I was busy, I was strapped for time. I didn't necessarily 
have the time to inter- to email this person back and say, hey, do you mind adding in a woman or a person of color or just, you know, having any bit of diversity to this list? I didn't have time for that. So I published the list and I immediately got pushback. Somebody saying, surely there, this cannot be the best interviews. The best podcast interviews are all just white men interviewing other white men. You know, I wrote back right away and I said, you're right. It's on me. You know, I I needed to be a little bit more diligent and just knowing that if my name was going to be on it in some way, I wanted to be proud of everything that went out. Uh, One thing I would say is stay in your lane. If your newsletter is all about podcasting, as mine is, then don't remind people to vote because they really don't like that. Um, Particularly if you say don't vote for that guy. Um, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, uh, you know, whoever that guy might be in their heads, they did not like that. I would also say, um, you know, just make sure that what you're doing is scalable, uh, is easy for you to do. Sometimes I'm traveling, sometimes I'm doing a lot of other work. And so writing a daily newsletter is much harder. And so, just focusing on the workflow a bit, making sure that you can do this particular newsletter in a consistent quality fashion, even if you've only got half an hour to do it. In my case, it now takes about an hour. You know, focusing on that is a really important thing as well. So, uh, yeah, don't be too ambitious and stay in your lane. But never, ever send an email without testing it. If nothing else, it just digs at your self-esteem <laughs> no one needs <laughs> no one needs that kind of like why am i an idiot you know so yeah. always send a test if you have someone else you can send it to to test with yeah. you or for you that's always helpful too i think you really need to know your audience and segment them as much as you can don't get too anal about the details with it but segment them to the extent of how your messages work. This is something that I do. Like when I run a promotion for my podcast reviews, it splits into four different branches where here are the people who are currently on my podcast reviews, active subscription, and I want to incentivize them to upgrade. Or here are the people who used to be, and I'm incentivizing them to come back to my podcast reviews. Here are the people who have visited the website and gotten emails from the site, but have never joined. And then here are the people who might not know anything about my podcast reviews. And so each one of those messages and the different branches, I try to customize them to that audience. If I didn't do that, then I think I would annoy a lot of my audience with people saying, I already have it. Why are you telling me about it? Or I don't want it. I've had it before. Why are you telling me about it? Like if it's the first time I've ever seen it, that kind of conditional content or different emails If that's not done right, I think that can really alienate the audience. I think the other thing is just overly promoting stuff, overly selling and not delivering value. I know a big reason to have an email list is to sell things, but I see it as another way to engage my audience. And so I really want to focus on content. But when I join these emails and it's like promotion after promotion after promotion after promotion and no content... I mean, I'm fine with a promotion as long as I'm getting content that I want. But if it's all promotions, that's a quick unsubscribe for me. First of all, you've got to have an opinion. I think a lot of times people with a curated newsletter, which is basically what I have, I said, here are some things that I think are interesting. 
link one, link two, link three, link four. I'm trying to add something to that. I'm not just trying to throw you more stuff to read. So what I want to do is have it to where you're coming to me and you want my opinion on those things, not just the things that I'm sharing. The other thing is you can't sell, 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 sell. I get a lot of emails from people and all they're doing is trying to get into my wallet and take the credit card out. <laughs> I, th- I think you do have to provide value. I think personality value, I think humor. So and there are a lot of little lessons like that. None of them are hard and fast, but those are the things that I try to live by, trying to be approachable, offer value, bring in my personality and just, you know, have fun with it. Not not have some kind of crazy structure where the thing's late a little bit. I've done uh, 103 issues now, and I think I've missed twice. And that was because two weeks in a row, one, I had Christmas Day, and then I had New Year's Day. So I said, oh, we'll take a couple weeks off. And of course, the hardest question is, well, what tool do I use? And I'll talk about that a little later, but let's go to our panelists first. I use MailChimp for earbuds, and I like it. And it was free for the first 2,500 subscribers, and then it got progressively more expensive. And now it is really expensive, and I am potentially looking to leave MailChimp. Um, I like it. I'm used to it. I can play around with fonts. I can play around with text boxes. I can play around with all sorts of different things. There are some other email marketing services that I have also played around with that I use for the other newsletters. I've used Ghost. I've used Review, which is a product of Twitter. I have used Substack. I have used ActiveCampaign. I have really used a lot of them. There are benefits and there are disadvantages to all of them. MailChimp is great if you are creating more of a marketing-centric newsletter. Uh, I'm not writing big blocks of text in my newsletter. It's more focused on images and links but if I were writing big blocks of text, I would look more of some, I would look more at something like Ghost or Review or uh, Substack. So there are benefits to all of these. There are disadvantages. I would look at when you're considering your email marketing service how many subscribers you have because there's going to be a, a free tier for most of these up to a certain extent. If you are going to be using drip campaigns and automations, then uh, that can get a little bit more expensive as well. And um, not all of the email marketing services have as robust of plans as the others. So that's something to look into. Uh, But it really depends what you want out of your newsletter. So if it is a companion to your podcast where you're expanding upon the, the thoughts that you share in your podcast or maybe sharing images that you couldn't share on air, obviously, because podcasting is an audio only medium, then MailChimp is great. So is Substack. So is Review. But if you are looking to maybe get people into a course, uh, maybe you're, you're, they visit your website and then they click a button and then that button triggers an email, that's going to be something that you'll, you're probably going to want to use ConvertKit or ActiveCampaign or something a little bit more robust. So there are a lot of things to consider. For the newsletter bit, I use a piece of software called Sendy. Uh, Sendy.co is, I believe, where it is. And one of the reasons why I use that is I'm a computer programmer. I know how to write websites vaguely. And so um, I've written all of the system that does uh, pod news every single day. And that includes uh, hooking into Sendy's API so that I can basically send it without ever having to open Sendy. And the benefit, by the way, of using Sendy is that that uses Amazon SES to send email. And the benefit of using Amazon SES to send email is that it is really, really, really cheap. It's something like, you know, 10 cents to send, you know, 2 million emails or something ridiculous like that. It's it's really, really cheap in comparison. But you have to host the software yourself. 
and you have to do all of that kind of stuff yourself as well. So it's not for the faint-hearted. If it was me, I would recommend either MailChimp if you want something that looks beautiful and everything else. If you don't mind if it looks slightly less beautiful, then something like Email Octopus. So you could use that. Uh, or indeed, uh, there are things like, uh, you know, Substack um, out there. I was going to say review, but that's one of the things that Elon Musk has reviewed and is closing. So I think, you know, focusing on Substack or something like that is probably a good plan. Or I believe that Tom Webster had good success with Ghost, which uh, he used, which is also a website uh, package as well. I actually write everything in Markdown using a thing called IA Writer, uh, which is very nice, but hideously expensive, actually, weirdly, uh, for a Mac app. Um, and I read an awful lot of RSS feeds in order to get the content that goes into my newsletter. That is done through an RSS app called InnoReader, I-N-O-R-E-A-D-E-R, InnoReader. So uh, I end up doing uh, that kind of uh, stuff as well. So before I was a podcaster, I would set up these systems for other entrepreneurs and content creators. So I have used Constant Contact, MailChimp, Aweber, Drip. Uh, right now, we use Active Campaign. I've used Infusionsoft, which a lot of people like to call Confusionsoft. Infusionsoft. <laughs> um, and I think it's now called Keep. I think, I mean, for me, to ha- the easiest way to have an attractive newsletter when you're just starting out is MailChimp. Um, they have very delightful little designs and templates. It's very drag and drop. It's easy to organize your people into lists. Um, and tags and things like that. I think that Aweber is great and we recommend them. If you want to do e-commerce of any kind, if you want to sell anything on your website using drip or active campaign is a really good suggestion because just the amount of integration that you can do with your website is amazing. This is why I like Active Campaign the best actually is because you can hook it up to Google Analytics, which will then track your email, how many people have opened it, how many people have looked at it, when they look at it, how they look at it. But then also it will retarget people who have been to your website. So in other words, they come to your website and they go away. If it is someone who is on your email list, I guess they can say, hey, we saw that you were looking at this. I started with MailChimp because it was really easy to use and it is still very easy to use. But at that time, when I left MailChimp for Active Campaign, I really needed the ability to have multiple lists and not have to pay for each time someone appears on multiple lists. Because I'm not sure if MailChimp still does this, but it used to be and some other places still do this. Either they only give you one list or if you have the same person on multiple lists, you're paying for each time they're on a list, whereas Active Campaign just charges you per contact. So that contact could be on dozens of lists and you only pay for them once. That was one thing that really appealed to me. Active Campaign also has some fantastic automations to it, and it does get quite complicated. They've been working to simplify it, but I needed complicated. I needed to be able to do things like branch a single marketing campaign into four different groups, or I needed to be able to run certain automations on people that might not even involve sending them an email, but integrating with other services like through Zapier or through my website and some of this stuff. So Active Campaign has been great for me for that. I've got Con- ConvertKit is what I use for Email Junior, and I have a system called Curated, 
which is a curated.co. And that allows me to pick links, add things to it. It's just a newsletter system. It's a fancy template. And um, it's something else to monitor. I could send that through ConvertKit if I wanted to, but it's some, it's specifically made for curated lists, and, and I've been using it for 103 issues. So Now, one question that you're not going to hear, because aside from James, who's doing some sort of magic voodoo with his Sendly computer programming skills, when I asked, are you turning your RSS feed from your podcast into a newsletter, they all went, no. So that's something to keep in mind. I'll talk more about that at the end. But the one thing that I'm always confused on is there are many blogging platforms like, well, I don't know, your website, and then there's Medium, there's all sorts of other places. Where do you decide to post your content? I don't know if there's necessarily a strategy that everybody should follow here, but I'll just share what I do. So as I mentioned, Earbuds goes out every Sunday. That email contains five podcast episodes on a theme, each week curated by a different person. And then what I do is that's going to live on MailChimp. So that will be in my MailChimp archive. But then I also created earbudspodcastcollective.org so that I could have all the lists of the podcasts that we've recommended over the years there so that there's a massive database of podcast recommendations by list, by any theme imaginable on my website there. And then in addition to that, I also have a blog on the Earbuds website, and that's where I'll go if I want to share longer pieces, thought pieces. That's where I'll go if I want to do a listicle that's much longer than five podcast episodes, or if I'm working with somebody and they pitch me a list on a Halloween podcasts, but I already have somebody doing a list on spooky podcasts in the newsletter, then the blog is a really great place to go to do an additional piece on Halloween or on spookiness or on haunted things. So I use the blog, the earbuds blog and the email uh, pretty differently, but ultimately they are all in service of sharing podcast recommendations, sharing about podcasting, sharing about podcast tips. Really, I want to help the creator and I want to help the listener. And we do that both in the newsletter and on the blog. So I I think on this, if you are writing, you want your, it's just the same as podcasting. If you're podcasting, you want your podcast to appear everywhere. If you're writing, you want your written stuff to appear everywhere. And that typically means, I think, doing it yourself, putting it on your own website and linking as many other places to that website as possible. Now, I happen to occasionally post on Medium. And um, the reason that I use Medium occasionally is that that's where I can be a little bit more independent in thought um, because Pod News has a certain viewpoint. My radio uh, newsletter kind of has a certain viewpoint and certainly a certain subject matter, so I can be less consistent in Medium. So that's what I would certainly do, but also send it out in your email newsletter. So uh, there's nothing worse than not quite knowing whether or not this email newsletter you're going to sign up to is going to be any good. So most of the big newsletters have a let me read it first button, as Pod News does, where you can actually see the latest, you know, additionally, and you can work out whether or not it's something that you might want to subscribe to. And similarly, having a full archive on your website is probably important, too, because that then enables people to link to it because you can't link to an email, obviously. So it enables people to link to it. It also enables um, search engine optimization to work and all of that. So um, my uh, long-winded answer to your question is uh, write for your newsletter 
absolutely, but also have a web version uh, and have that visible so that people can actually find that uh, on the internet. Uh, that's probably a good plan. The thing about Substack and Medium is that you are giving them your traffic. If you don't have traffic, you want Substack and Medium so that they get to know, so other people get to know who you are. And perhaps from Substack and Medium, they will go to your website. But if you have a website that people already are going to, why would you drive them somewhere else? And this is just the web designer and me. That's what I did before I, um, I, she podcast became the business with a capital T B. <laughs> Before that, I was graphing a web designer, and the number one rule of all web designers is you never let people leave the website. <laughs> like, even when you have a link that leads somewhere else, you open it in a new window. Don't let them close your website, because your website is supposed to be your number one sales tool. Even if you're not selling anything, you can still redirect people back to your other articles, back to your other episodes, back to your beautiful about page or whatever. Like, you don't really, you know, you want people, you want it to be sticky. But yeah, it depends on your goals. If you're brand new ski, then yeah, I would go Substack or Medium just so that you can gain an audience that will then send people to your your episodes and stuff. That is always a tough question for me to decide where should this content go. And for me, that comes down to a couple things. One is how big is the content? And how small can I make it? So if it's a, a series of 10 tips, that could easily be a podcast episode, or it could be a series of 10 emails. Is this something that I can explain in an email in two or three paragraphs? If so, that might make a great email. If it's going to take a lot more than that, then I either need to look at breaking it into a series or not putting it in the email at all. I also kind of see it as Sometimes this is the same content in multiple places, maybe at completely different times because of the automation sequence, but it's presented in different ways that might be easier for people to consume. So they might hear me talk about something in my podcast, and then two months later, they receive that same kind of information in the email, but it's communicated a little bit differently, a bit more concisely. Maybe there's just one call to action in that email where they can click that, to take action on that one thing I advise them on. And it's really about what fits this particular content best, or can I use this content in multiple places? As far as distribution of your content, it's really great if you can bring people back to where you are. So for my newsletter, for example, newsletter.bigpodcast.com. I'd love it for you to go there. However, it's very powerful for you to also see my content on Medium or syndicated somewhere else, maybe through somebody else's newsletter or even Twitter, even social media. So my solution to all this is, yes, yeah, syndicate it, talk about it. Even the podcast itself, take the clips. I don't care. Take the clips, remix me, just credit it, hopefully. Send them back to newsletter.bigpodcast.com or my podcast. And some people do, some people don't. But in this world, we're all really connected. We're two or three degrees of separation. So I think there's value even in a pirated copy of your book or your newsletter or your podcast, even if you don't get credit for it. If you're doing enough, and I am because I'm doing a couple of these newsletters a week and at least an episode or two a week, people are going to know who you are. 
In just a second, you'll hear our final summaries on what to do with an email list. And I'm going to share my top two mistakes. One that included me losing 1,500 emails. Before we start to summarize, let's hear about the kind of content you can get from the people you've been listening to. Ariel Nissenblatt. Earbuds Podcast Collective is a weekly email that sends a theme and five podcast episodes on that theme. And each week is curated by a different person. Anyone can curate a list. So in every edition of the newsletter, you will have a themed list with five episodes. And uh, curators can include one of their own episodes. So that's sort of a fun way for independent podcasters, big podcasters, any podcaster to get their show out into the world and to my subscription list of a few thousand people. Uh, so that's what's in the earbuds newsletter. In addition to some, some ads and some community news and some spotlight picks and other things that I feel like sharing in the podcast space in the Squadcast newsletter that goes out every Friday, I share tips, resources, events, other things that are relevant to the creator economy. And in my other newsletters, it's honestly all podcast content all the time. <laughs> So the content that goes into Pod News is, you know, obviously uh, podcast news, and there is additional stuff that goes into the newsletter which doesn't make it into the podcast version. So additional things are things like tips and tricks. So I will quite often link to the School of Podcasting because, you know, there's lots of useful tips and tricks there. But obviously, uh, just reading out I've linked today to this article is very dull. So I don't put that in the podcast, just put it in the newsletter. There's also quite a lot of automated stuff from other places. So what I try and do is I try and pull in information from our own jobs board, information from our own events um, uh, section, uh, and also the number ones, for example, from Apple and Spotify, because uh, people are interested in that sort of thing as well. Uh, so there's various uh, amounts of uh, information that goes into the newsletter every day. We do a weekly newsletter called the, you know, it's like a Friday roundup, weekly roundup. And it has our latest episode at the top with like a an excerpt and like a click to learn more, read more on our website. And then we do like a what's new in the membership that week in case someone wants to join. And then if we have any event news, we'll put that in there. Um, we used to have the entire array of show notes in the email, but I started to feel that wasn't necessary. It was just a lot too long and no traffic to our site, which was also counterproductive. And the curse of knowledge has bit me in the butt when I was talking with Daniel J. Lewis from the Audacity to Podcast. I know what's in his newsletter, and consequently, I didn't ask him. He has uh, podcastingdeals.com if you want to be notified when gear and such go on sale. I know he has his email list that he mentioned for his uh, social subscribe and follow and my podcast reviews. And I just looked one up when he sends out a new episode. I got a short newsletter talking about artwork for your podcast and a link was there to listen to it. So that's what Daniel is doing with newsletters. And of course, once is not enough. I went back as I was editing this and realized because David Hooper is one of my friends, I forgot to ask him what's in his newsletter. So I went over to newsletter.bigpodcast.com and it says a weekly email newsletter to help you grow your podcast, spread your message and make money podcasting. And after listening to James talk about this, Dave is actually doing what James talks about. He's got a 
latest episode, I guess I should say issue, latest issue there. He's got the archives. If you want to sponsor his podcast, he's also got a giveaway, free big podcast toolkit. And he is there every Friday because I'm subscribed to this as well. And from what I often see, it is. It's here's what caught my eye, things like that. In fact, I'm somewhat inspired by Dave for my newsletter, which I'll be talking about when we uh, get to the end. I'll share all my thoughts on newsletters in just a minute. For now, let's get to the summary. Final words from our panelists on newsletters. It's a really great way to collaborate with other podcasts. And what I mean by that is that if you want to reach out to a show that's much larger than you for some sort of collaboration, and you're thinking, there's no way they're going to do a one-to-one promo swap with me because they get 10,000 downloads an episode and I only get 1,000 downloads an episode. How am I going to possibly collaborate with them? Well, now that you have this email, this email list, and you're sending that out weekly and it's going to 500 people, maybe it's going to 1,000 people, you're that much closer to creating some sort of um, collaboration that makes sense with this podcast that's much bigger than you. Because maybe they'll do an ad read on their podcast for your podcast. And in exchange, you'll do an ad read, but then you'll also put a note in your newsletter about them two weeks in a row. And you're that much closer to creating an equal collaboration. So take advantage of the fact that you now have this captive audience of people who are excited to hear from you every week via written word and use that to your advantage. And that that also goes for social media. You can also leverage your social media. You can leverage video content. You can leverage whatever you've got. And this is just another option for you to continue leveraging the content that you've got to grow your show. And it's a really great way to stay in touch with your listeners. I really recommend building up an email list for your podcast because as as much as you might hear from your listeners by way of DMs or emails or even in ratings and reviews, you still don't know who they are because you don't have a list of their email addresses. And that means that if you needed to get in contact with them for some reason, you could podcast about it, but you might not hear back from them one-on-one. Whereas if you email them, they are your captive audience. They have opted in to receive correspondence from you and you can email them. Obviously, don't abuse that privilege, but you now have them. So or I really recommend starting up a newsletter for your podcast. I'm a big fan of newsletters. I think one thing that I would say about uh, newsletters is make them easy to do. Don't overstretch what it is that you're going to end up doing. Work a lot on workflow. So the reason that Pod News comes out at six in the morning Eastern time isn't because I love Americans and I would like Americans to wake up with my excellent writing uh, every single day. I mean, that's obviously true. But apart from that bit, uh, it's because I know that the evening is a great time for me to finish that work and write it. I might have been working for somebody else during the day. And so uh, the evening is a great time for me to finish that work and finish writing it. I also know that you lot are asleep uh, because I happen to be in Australia. So you lot are asleep. So nine o'clock at night is six in the morning, New York time, nine o'clock at night here. And so, therefore, that allows me to really focus on getting that newsletter out. And a lot of the features in the newsletter, the uh, the way that the newsletter is laid out, uh, the content that is in the newsletter, a lot of that is all around workflow. How easy can I make it to produce a good quality, consistent product, which is available every single day in my case, How can I do that so that I know if I'm having an off day, if I'm not feeling very well, if I'm really busy doing other things, if I'm in an airplane 
flying half halfway across the world to go to podcast movement or whatever it might be, I've still got something that I can still produce in a consistent and hopefully full of quality manner. I think just in general, newsletter or not, there is no way people are going to just find your podcast. So if you are a person that already has an audience for any reason, and I'm just talking to people who may already have businesses or be content creators and just starting a podcast, you need to let them know that it's something new for them to listen to. And an email is the greatest way to do that. You know, email is the only version modern version of door-to-door salesmen that there is. We have no more vacuum salesmen and people that knock on our door and sell us things, at least none that anyone ever opens the door for, right? So (laughs) I like treating my newsletter subscribers because we can't really say newsletter followers, can we? That just, (laughs) that sounds weird. (laughs) I, I like to treat them as a more intimate group because they can hit that reply button. And I do read it. I might not always be able to reply to their replies. But when they reply to one of my email campaigns, I read it and I always appreciate that. And I see them as closer friends that I can let them know special announcements, something secret, uh, share a little bit more raw thoughts sometimes with them. And it also gives me an opportunity to more directly receive feedback from them. Like the first email, the first automated email you receive of my sequence I ask a question because I want the reader to hit reply and answer that question. For one thing, that helps me get to know them. Another thing, a little tip here, is that in these email systems that might categorize your emails under different promotion folders and such, when you respond to a message, that indicates to your email filtering system that you're more engaged in that message so that it's more likely to give that message prominence and far less likely to put it in promotions folder or especially in the spam folder. And that is the kind of engagement that I love to have with my email, helps the email deliverability and and the reception in the inboxes. Something interesting happened to me when I started what I'm calling Newsletter Junior, which is just a quick email, text only. Hey, it's David. How are you doing? Here's something I think is important for you. I had an email from a guy on the list, I didn't even know he was on the list that I hadn't talked to forever. Another radio guy, a guy who works for NPR. And he said, you know, I've been getting emails for a while, but this one seems different. I really like the personal touch that you've got. And I think it just shows a different perspective on people because you've got that polished thing. that's the newsletters, you talking to many, and I do have a prologue in my newsletter, but it's not the same as me sending that text email to people. So I I think there's an opportunity there to really connect with people in a personal way because you think about who sends you an email. Well, it's it's Aunt Velda, it's your mom, your grandmother, sister, brother. It's it's among friends, right? But we're inundated with social media and even podcasts. They have to be kind of slick. And we all get into that. Hey, it's David here, a big podcast. (laughs) That's not how I'm talking to friends, even though I do try to keep it personal. The other thing I do about the newsletter to keep that personal is... I put in memes that I've got from my Instagram account, which is a lot of funny podcasting jokes and things. So it's become a thing where every week there's a podcaster related joke or a podcasting related joke. So even if people don't care about what I'm writing, 
there's a funny meme in there, a funny visual that I cannot, it, it just doesn't work audibly. I, I can't, I, I could tell you the joke, but it's not going to be as funny, like as a, a funny bar graph or a funny pie chart <laughs> or, a, you know, memes, man, yeah. they just, they don't work on podcasts. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's going to give you an opportunity to maybe bring your person personality out in a different way. And, and I would suggest that don't be afraid. Don't think it has to be real professional. Uh, just make it like you're talking to aunt Velma. That's it. I love aunt Velma. She's the best. And again, I'll have links to everything out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash eight seven zero. Probably one of my biggest mistakes is I was using a Weber at a nice list, about 1500 people on it. And some big social influencer said, Hey, convert kit is the next big thing. And I was like, Ooh, look, it's shiny. And so I downloaded all of my email lists because AWeber is one of those where you had multiple lists. And what we're talking about is some companies you will, you can have actually get paid. You have to pay twice where you'll have Dave Jackson in the podcasting list and then Dave Jackson in the marketing list. And so the better business solution is where you have a list of people and then you categorize this person. And so I switched to uh, ConvertKit, which is not bad. It can get kind of pricey after a while. But the fun thing was I went to import my list and I had a bunch of them. And when I downloaded the last list and went to delete it, every time I went to delete a list, it was like, are you sure? Are you sure? Because if you delete this, you can't get it back. And I'd uploaded all of my lists and I hadn't uploaded the biggest one yet. And everything else is working super smooth. And I said, yep, I'm good. And then I went to unzip and import my biggest list. And it said, file is corrupt. And I went to AWeber and they're like, yeah, remember how we said you can't get it back? Yeah, you can't get it back. So that was not great. So the lesson there is wait until you've completely moved to delete your whole list. The other thing is uh, Daniel. Now realize Daniel is kind of a power emailer. He's got, uh, he's doing e-commerce. He's doing what are sometimes called drip campaigns, meaning you'll, somebody will sign up and then on day one, you'll send them this. And then you'll say on day seven, send them this. So it's a, an auto sequence. And so I moved from convert kit to mailer light and mailer light, I think is one of my favorites in terms of powerful features. If you want to do things like that, you can even do a B split testing and they have a free version. And up to a fair amount of people on it. And they let you do this segmentation. So I set this up. I asked my list. I'm like, what are you interested in? Are you interested in gear? Are you interested in this and this and that? And I could see what people were interested in. But then, and this goes back to what James was saying, make it easy. And all of a sudden, what used to be one email and send was now write a block of email. So here's a couple paragraphs and then determine who gets to see this? And I did about three email, uh, I guess it's ep not episode, issues that way. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. So I don't really need now with Daniel where you don't want to send people emails saying buy my product and they've already done it. I wasn't in that situation. I wasn't quite using it that hard as a marketing person. Then it dawned on me as much as I like Mailer Lite, as much as like I like ConvertKit, AWeber was really good. I should have probably never left them. Uh, it dawned on me that I am not the typical marketer 
when it comes to email, or maybe it's my background in teaching. I mean, I will have a call to action at the bottom of my email, but I don't really need split testing and all this other stuff. I'm really using it as a communication tool. And so I did switch to Substack. If you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash Substack, you can create your own. It is free. And if you're a regular listener to me, I'm not a huge fan of free stuff because it's not a good business model, but they do have a business model. If I wanted to, I could sell premium content in an email form. And so I've been using Substack and I don't know what sort of weird mojo they're doing over there, but I'm getting more subscribers over there. I think they do a lot of cross promotion. Your newsletter does end up on the website. That is their website, by the way, not my website. And I'm still a little weird about that, but I also know that I deliver a little bit of value. Like my last newsletter talked about how podcasting is like cookie dough and the fact that my brother and sister and I would fight over the beaters from the mixer to eat cookie dough. And the minute my mom looked away, we would all grab another fingerful. And if you think about it, cookie dough is not done. It's not. It's supposed to be a cookie and we're eating it in this gooey form. And I said, that's why I'm doing this newsletter. There are times when I didn't do a newsletter because I wasn't ready. And I was like, look, here's what I got. And it was shorter, but it was valuable. And then I usually say, here's what I did on this episode and on this episode and on this episode. There's just a a little paragraph and a link. And I can see where people are clicking that all the time. And I do get people that click reply. And like Daniel, I reply to every reply. As long as I can, I'm going to keep doing that. And that's what I love about it is now I'm having a conversation with my direct listener. And so that's what I really love about a a newsletter. And it's fun to see what people click on and what they resonate with. And the other thing is these, in a way, it's, it's also great for polls. You know, if you're like wanting to know, hey, I'm thinking of doing this in the podcast, what do you think? Because these are people who have already taken action. These are, to a certain extent, your super listeners. These are the people that have taken a step to get more content from you. And so consequently, if I'm looking to start something where I'm going to need people to take more action to get content from me, well, I've got a bunch in there. They're called your newsletter. Substack is free, like I mentioned. There are other free services. Like I said, MailerLite has a free one. They almost all have one. And I've heard a lot of people say MailChimp is great. And I know a lot of people that started on MailChimp and left. And I'm like, well, why not just start someplace? And then if you need to later, upgrade to something where you have to pay. But it is a great tool. And the other thing, I said this at the beginning, and it is somewhat important, it's yours. There's no way, you know, you can always download your email list. And on Substack, you can. There are other ones. You can use Medium for a newsletter as well. But with Substack, I can't access. And that's the big thing. No matter where you go, whether it's, I know James mentioned some octopus, one I've never heard of, wherever you go, just make sure you can download your list. Because trust me, as someone who lost 1,500 of those email lists, it's awful. Another tool I have used that I might go back to using because I've added some new features is SendFox. SendFox is great, again, if you're looking for just kind of a basic newsletter. They do have ways to do lead magnets and things of this nature where you can have a lead magnet. And here's a, a quick tangent. If you're not sure what to make for a lead magnet, if you have Google Analytics on your website, you can see what are your top pages on the web. Like, what are your web visitors doing? 
and then just go to that particular episode and make some sort of cheat sheet or something like that. And people will sign up for that. I know how I have a page on my website on how to take phone calls. Yes. Phone calls on your podcast. Cause who does that anymore? But it just said, would you like this article as a PDF? And I had people sign up for that. So it doesn't have to be something that's going to cure cancer. If you want a league magnet and send Fox makes it very easy to do that. And then they sign up and then it sends them the PDF or whatever it is. So it is another way to remind people, right? Keep your brand in front of people. It's a way to elicit feedback. And we've heard where some people do super elaborate newsletters and some people just like, Hey, here's what's going on. Here's a couple of links. And I know in last week's episode, which was uh, podcasting advice from veteran podcasters, Joe Salcihai from Stacking Benjamins said when he started Stacking Benjamins, now that he looks back, I think it's 12 years he's been doing that show, he kind of wished he had started gathering email lists sooner. And I know everybody that eventually, if you want to monetize your show, if you want a greater kind of um, connection with your audience, newsletters are a great way to do it because you own it and no one can take that away. So schoolofpodcasting.com slash 870 because there are going to be a lot of links in this. And if you're wondering, this was kind of a narrative style podcast. As I check the clock on the wall, we are right around four hours just for this interview. I'm now going to export this and put it into the episode where we have the you know, where I'm going to be and things like that. And the opening part as well. So narrative style is kind of fun. Rumble studio was like I said, okay, but I, I really do miss the ability to ask follow up questions, but I'm sure it was great for those people who either I would have to get up at like four in the morning or they'd have to get up late and early. So that's an interesting twist on interviews, but I could also see it being used for something like the question of the month. So schoolofpodcasting.com slash 870. Next week's episode, based on user input. I love this. I've been having people say, hey, I wish you would talk about this, or I got this new insight, and I think, who? That would be a good episode. So based on some feedback I just got at Podcast Movement Evolutions, next week, we're going to talk about the fact that, A, Podcasting is not easy, but more importantly, B, how do I deal or how do I stop or how do I slow the process of overwhelm? You can go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash follow, follow the show for free, by the way, and never miss another episode. It'll come automatically to your phone. And of course, schoolofpodcasting.com slash listener will save you on either a monthly or yearly subscription that comes with a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you are feeling overwhelmed, I'm right here to walk side by side with you to help you launch your podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in until next week. Take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. Dismissed.